You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to another fabulous episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate. I'm your host, Michael Kushner, and I got married. And uh, as you could tell from my voice, um, the party was no fun at all. I wasn't screaming or belting at the top of my lungs to one day more as we did a... um, as we all just got together and, you know, you know, did it on the dance floor. Sandwiched between, you know, I want to dance with somebody and say love by Bewitched. It was pretty gay and amazing. Um, so many thank yous for that. Burn in Hand in New York City and 146th and Broadway. If you're looking for amazing food and cocktails, great ambiance. That's where we did it. It was incredible. Um, uh, Paige Turner, who officiated Showbiz Spitfire, Paige Turner... Amazing multi-hyphenate who's featured in my book, um, incredible drag artist, and uh, my photographer, Michael Allen Russell, and my uh, bridal party, and Dear September Events, who um, organized the damn thing. It was pretty great, um, really amazing. I uh, we, we hopped right to our mo- money moon, nope, mini moon, at Mohunk. Uh, for two days and then last night this is literally the podcast is getting out a little later than normal because uh you know I got married and there you know I just there were other things to do other than um record an intro for a podcast I'm sorry I'm sorry I love you all but you know things happen and um uh yeah it was just it was incredible and we came home from the mini moon last night and made a pit stop in in Hartford, Connecticut to see our dear friend Heidi Blickenstaff star in the Jagged Little Pill Tour and let me tell you those those incredible people on that stage are 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 doing amazing work uh telling the story those vocals are amazing and uh if you have a chance to see the Jagged Little Pill National Tour do it um they are incredible and what an incredible group of people too they are just so wonderful got to get to know them a little bit backstage while I was photographing Heidi and those pictures will be released soon on my Instagram at the Michael Kushner, which please follow all that good stuff. Also follow the podcast Instagram, Dear Multi Hyphenate. Um, we have incredible guests coming up, including Jonathan Estabrooks, who is this episode. Uh, it's an incredible conversation. I can't wait to get into it. Um, I just want to say, remember, be kind, be careful, be yourself. With a lot of shows closing, there's a lot of um vitriol here's an sat word for you uh about what's you know that certain shows should close or whatever and it's like you can keep those opinions to yourself you don't have to post those online um i think we're all um looking for a better broadway but a better broadway starts with you and it starts with how you uh you walk through the world and how you interact with people and 
Um, if you are planning on being a part of this industry, don't shit talk shows or people's performances in a public forum. Uh, you can always critique. You can, you know, that's what's amazing about art is sitting with a group of friends and critiquing over a glass of wine and stuff. But there doesn't need to be venom, especially in a public forum. So, you know, take that what you will and support shows, especially if you're in this industry. It's not your job to be mean. It's your job to be an artist. Um, and to me, uh, both of those things don't go hand in hand, which is what I try to uh, share on this podcast with the guests that I bring in. So anyway, I love you all. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Broadway Podcast Network. And um, I'm going to wrap this up so you don't have to hear my raspy voice anymore because uh, I'm tired of listening to it. But I have Jonathan Estabrooks um, on today's, uh, you know, this this newest episode. And uh, as an active producer, mixing engineer, director, and performer, Jonathan Estabrooks has amassed over 15 years of experience, three more than 3 million views with a wide variety of content from short-form documentary, music videos, and commercial content to full album and single production. As a graduate of the Juilliard School, he has been hailed by the New York Times as a robust baritone. His experience in front of and behind the scenes has given him a, a unique understanding of the industry and how to craft the most compelling stories through music and film. We uh, talk about... Uh, the company is the vice president of Amitha, his new project in terms of spatial audio. I mean, this person, Jonathan, is incredible. I'm so excited for you to get into this episode. Please rate, comment, subscribe. If you have any questions you want me to um, answer on air, please email me at dearmultihyphenate at gmail.com or, you know, write me on, on social media. And um, yeah. All right. Enjoy the episode. Jonathan Estabrooks, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. So this is our second time recording. Hey, so, life happens. Things change. It's You were saying earlier how quickly um, the industry's changing and new things are happening. So I'm happy to jump on and and do a fresh, a, a fresh chat and update uh, on what's been going on. Well, we were, we also recorded in person, which was really interesting because I was like, I, I, I was like, let's see if I can do this setup, this in-person setup with my equipment and I can, but the thing is, is I don't want to. So virtually is great. Thanks for that. And, um, you know, I, I well, what's so funny is that it worked. I think you were the first person that I tried it out with. This was, you know, we were like, oh, it was a while back already. It was sort of like, we're like, oh yeah, I don't, you know, you can record in the studio post pandemic. It's totally cool. And um, then I recorded another episode after you with someone else and the audio did not record. It was very strange. Oh, no. It was, so I lost that complete episode. And now I'm like, you know what? We're just going to stick virtual. It's easier. Um, and uh, we don't have to wear pants if we don't want to. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and also, you know, the even though that episode was full of real great goodies, it's like I really try to make sure that this show is as relevant as possible. And I just didn't feel yeah. comfortable with an episode coming out like eight months after it was recorded. It had nothing to do with you. It's just I like to keep the conversations as relevant as possible and this industry changes yeah. every day. Hey, I'm here for it and I'm happy to chat. So 
how do you what what is a multi-hyphenate to you and how do you identify as a multi-hyphenate yeah i mean it's so interesting i was thinking about that this morning specifically about how even though my career started as a as an opera singer you know i went to juilliard i studied opera i had a career in that um, I was always doing so many different things. Mm -hmm. They were all kind of focused towards sort of, you know, creative, uh, creative endeavors. But mm -hmm. there was, I, I was always interested in production and building a show and very detail oriented and scheduling and, and, and filming and recording. Like that was just always a part of it for me. And so it's so interesting. Like I look at where my career is now as a producer and uh, mainly a producer, but again, doing so many different things as producers do, I kind of go back and I went, everything was was leading up to this moment and mm. all of those different skills were were exactly happened how they needed to happen and it's now really informing what what I do now which is so I'm VP of productions at Amitha so I'm producing records I'm mixing them I'm coordinating travel and booking session musicians and I'm also filming content and editing video content and you know, and so I'm, I'm really, you know, as VP of productions, I'm kind of managing all of these different creative things, but then our company does web design and photography and, and has two record labels. And so just the nature of the business being this one-stop shop for creative professionals is that the business itself is offering kind of uh, a, a multi-hyphenate <laughs> all in one place kind of thing. And so um, it's allowed me to embrace that part of myself and say, this you know, I've always been this way. This is not a jack of all trades, master of none scenario. This is, these have all really informed each other. And it's about figuring out how the cross sections happen. And I think what's interesting, I've heard in, in your podcast of past, it's like how to delineate your time and your days. You know, you can't do everything all at once, but it's like having your time slots. So I'm spending this time on this and spending that time, you know, Fridays is multi-hyphenate recording and, and like getting really focused into lanes like that has allowed me to compartmentalize what would otherwise be, I do everything all the time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Ashley, but, Kate, yeah. Ashley Kate Adams, who's a collaborator of mine. Um, I learned more about like delegation and uh, organizing your, your workflow through her and and I really started thinking about like my own personal one and how that relates to a multi-hyphenate um in a lot of different ways because you know she asked the question is like when do you work the best and I work the best in the mornings and Jamie Lee Curtis is coming out with how that she like wakes up at four in the morning because she loves mornings and goes to bed at like 8 p.m um and because they're like are you going to go to this Oscar event what are you doing and she's like no I'm in bed and it's so incredible to like hear her this gusto just be like, no, I, I'm not doing that because I, I live my life a certain way. And it's right. I think what's incredible about that, uh, and now I'm going on a little gay Jewish tangent, but like um, what's incredible about that is like, sh you know, she commits to her artistry in that way and herself. And we don't have to. Mm -hmm. We don't have to cross those boundaries if we don't want to. We're allowed to be a human being first. And if that's how she lives her life, she's allowed to do that. But I digress. So anyway, when you are talking about workflow like that, it's, it's I think, you know, people don't, re people ask the question all the time, like, how do I become a multi-hyphenate, right? And I'm like, you don't go to school and graduate with your BFA in multi-hyphenating. It is sort of a way to follow some guidelines and to think about things, you know, in, uh, in, 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 uh, there's, there's a little book 
that. Um, yes, yes, that I saw that. Congratulations. Thank you so much. But there's a little book that was written that is, um, you know, talks to you about those those guidelines and stuff like that. And um, and there are, while might, there might not be a, a specific school or whatever, but there are certain companies to participate in to invest your time and energy in that that operate with the multi-avenue perspective like i went to french woods which is a performing arts sleepaway camp and that is a by nature that experience is a multi-hyphenate experience because you are you are learning how to excel multiple skills that become proficiencies mm -hmm. and using those skills to affect the other proficiencies and what you're what you are talking about with amitha is that your business that company exists using multi-hyphenate profit uh, uh rules regulations um and the perspective principles which is really really cool so i want to know yeah. more about that you know it was it was one of those situations where you know it was it was the pandemic and i remember i went home to canada and what the heck am I going to do? But I had already been doing production work. I'd already, you know, and so very quickly I started doing, you know, remember those 40 singer iPhone videos, choir performances that mm -hmm. you started to see. Mm -hmm. I was, I was editing four or five of those, you know, a week. Sometimes it was crazy. So work, I was grateful, you know, in, in a weird way, I was ready for the chaos that ensued because right. of my multi-hyphenate uh, uh, interests and abilities, I could pivot very quickly. So I pivoted to doing that and, but I had always been doing it on my own and it's like, I'm invoicing on my own, I'm doing this on my own. And like, there's only so much you can do as a single individual. And it becomes hard, you reach a point where you're like, I'm not going to grow, I'm not gonna get to the next level until I can, not that I can't work with people, but it's very particular people that understand about follow through. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're a highly focused, person like you want to be able to say you want to ask something once you want that person that you're working with to think three steps ahead of you and vice versa because you know how quickly this all moves so I ended up meeting John um John and Jillian through do you remember that app back during the pandemic where it was like a live podcast it was called Clubhouse I was on Clubhouse I was on Clubhouse a lot and Clubhouse annoyed the hell out of me because <laughs> what, what? because it allowed a lot of people to just talk <laughs> but like not in like really great like they did like they just and they loved hearing themselves speak so they were like spewing misinformation yeah. and it was but like that's, that's social media too exactly I mean, everyone sure. everyone's an expert now right everyone's an expert right okay so clubhouse yeah so clubhouse you know it was it was a chat specifically about how to grow your um, your presence on Spotify. Mm. And John, who is a tenor himself, had had grown his Spotify reach to a million streams on his own through independent playlisting. So it was like very much, how do we grow this? And so John and I, both wanting to grow our own catalogs, we said, why don't we get together a group of artists and let's build some independent playlists. Let's pool some money and let's do this. And it was a little, it was a little test and it was very successful. And so slowly but surely we realized that we, we were kindred spirits. We felt and thought the same way. And I thought, you know, your wife has this company that does photography and websites, Amitha. You're doing this promo thing. I do all this production work. What if we had three departments, three owners, and we brought it all in house and we could go to an artist and, and say, you want to record an album. 
great. All the things you need to do for an album, you need cover photos, you need the design, you need the liner notes, you need the recording, mixing, mastering, and you need a label. What if that could all be done in one place? Because as we know, as an independent artist, most albums now are independent. You've got to fund it, you've got to find the money. Labels don't really have money to pay for it. So you end up being fundraiser, you end up having to be a multi-hyphenate and performers are not always multi-hyphenates. They have to sometimes be so hyper-focused on the voice. I think of opera singers, it's all about just singing, staying healthy, learning the role, and that's it. it to be a high level performer, I think can be challenging mm -hmm. to then also be a producer and a fundraiser in this and that. Mm -hmm. And so we thought, what if that person could come to us and we could do all of that heavy lifting for them and save them money and because um, we had all been there, we had all tried to produce our own records and had to be fifth, wear 15 different hats. Mm -hmm. And I love that, but a lot of artists don't like that. And they, it's, it's overwhelming. And I was like, let's do it for them. Um, and the, 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 the companies have just exploded. I mean, we, we have, I think I mixed, I'm mixing like an album a month right now. I'm going, I'm in LA and then I'm in Chicago and then I'm in Denver. And it's just like, it, it's snowballing and we're not, you know, we're, it's all word of mouth at this point, which is amazing. And we're building relationships with all the DSPs and, and, and so it's been really, really exciting. We have the largest independent Broadway playlist on Spotify right now. Wow. Built. And so we're doing a lot. We have some cool top secret projects with a, with two big name Broadway names, which I will let you know once it goes public, but that's in talks right now. Um, so we're starting to crack into kind of the next level on the Broadway side, the classical side. We work with a lot of um, Met opera stars now, and we just did an orchestral album and um, with, uh, with Stephen Powell, who's a, who's a big Met baritone with full orchestra. So anyway, I digress. It's very, very fun and cool. And I'm living my best life. Honestly, the multi-hyphenate life it, for me is the best life. I can wake up and I am never bored. I am engaged and I am, um, driven to, to work on different things. And as I said earlier, I think the focus is always in, uh, scheduling. <laughs> and yeah. I went back to a paper calendar, um, six months ago. And that has been, you know, like the big three calendar where you're like, mm -hmm. what are my big three for the day? Uh -huh. and trying to restrict my emails to a certain time in the day. And like, <laughs> you know, we had talked about this before because I know that's something that, that you're very regimented. And I think it's the only way to be a successful multi-hyphenate. Maybe not, but I think it, it's- It's hard. I mean, because life happens, right? So like I could yeah. be, I could be, you know, in uh, I could be invited to a reading that happens at 10 a.m. So that means I don't get all my morning work, um, you know, it, it, you know, done if I'm going to that reading or, uh, you know, like when I photograph, um, uh, when I, when I photographed, um, uh, uh, Broadway bears in the past, right? It's a, yeah. you, you have to do with that gig is understand that you'll be pulling an all nighter. So you can't work the next day. Right. So, you know, we are in the theater and more of that is like, because we photograph the dress rehearsals, the first show, which starts at 10 30, I believe. And then the second show starts at 12 AM and right. it lasts longer because it's a little more like, you know, rowdier and rock and roll. And then you have to go home and edit those photos that you've taken three performances of and get and get them to them by I think it's seven in the morning for press. So you're watching wow. the sun you're watching the sunrise as you're editing, which yeah, 
I don't do often. I just do with Broadway Bears. But um, it's such a wild moment because you have to, you know that you can't work the next day. So we're oh. like Covenant House when I sleep on the street every year to, you know, when I raise funds for um, homeless youth, like, you know that you're not really going to get a good night's sleep and uh-huh. you're up at six in the morning. So you can't work the next day. Um, understanding like your schedule, that workflow is really important as a multi-hyphenate. Um uh-huh. And I do think people, what's really exciting about what you're saying is that like you are excited to live your life because you are a multi-hyphenate. And that is, that's it. That's what multi-hyphenating is about. It is a, I always talk about how it is a lucrative way to exist in this industry. But not only that, it is a way for you to find holistically specifically holistic and personal artistry for yourself because you can come up with the hyphens that work for you you can figure out your audiences and your customers you can figure out all of that stuff because you are treating this artistry as the business owner and i you know as i've talked to people and as i've worked more with people that are really interested in this. I don't necessarily know if everyone has a business brain, but Mm. I think that's why a lot of people are successful in this industry is because now it's not just about the art. It has to be about the business. And Mm. I don't think it's 100% all the time true Mm. because i know people that have become broadway stars just by auditioning and they you know they but but here's the thing i can count five people on my hand at the top of my at the top of my mind but i can list for hours people that have found success in this industry because they've treated it as a business Mm. well and and you know it's so interesting. I think back to my singing career, which didn't happen the way that I maybe had thought it would happen. And it sort of didn't happen fast enough. The things weren't, you know, it, it wasn't taking off in the way that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I sort of realized if I had treated my Jonathan the singer as Jonathan LLC, I would have had such a more objective approach to decision making rather than going, oh, I'm not singing my best um, and being torn down personally. It's like, well, let's just do like the quarterly review. Well, that edition didn't go very well and being very objective about it. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I, I always say I encourage the artists, if there's a way to separate the person from the art and know that you are a son, you are a brother, you are uh, all of those things, you're a person first, and this is what you do, mm-hmm. that doesn't negate the value. It doesn't make you less of an artist or less of a creator to say, no, this is the office. Even though I could work 24 hours a day because I love what I do, mm-hmm. I still need to have a life work balance. And so I think treating, as you say, treating the art as a business is not a bad, it's not a dirty word. Right. You know, um, art is business and art for art's sake is not going to pay the rent. <laughs> like it just isn't. You know, right. And if any young artists are listening, you know, that doesn't mean you have to be incredible at calculus like everyone is, you know, making you feel in high school. Right. Like, right. You don't right. have to be incredible in calculus. You don't have to be do a, a push AP U.S. history or AP bio. You don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. All we're saying is just treat it like it is a business. And 
I yeah. think that, and what I tell, what I say all the time is like, there are some actors that feel that they need to go for every gig that they can. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I do think you need to figure out in order it's, you know, in order for you to figure out the spaces for you to be in, you have to show up to them and figure out which ones don't feel right, but you don't need to do that for 10 years. I think you could right. do that for a year right. or two. And like, yeah. and what that does then is that saves you from hating what you do because mm. let's face it, right? Like rejection is a part of this industry. And when you are a multi-hyphenate, you have to be wary of the fact that if you have five hyphens as opposed to one proficiency, right? If you have five, that's five times the amount of failure that you're facing and rejection that you're facing, right? So oh. you have to, you have to understand that, but but the the reward is greater than the risk or, you know, oh. but I think, uh, you know, rejection is part of this industry. And when we start, when we get start getting rejected over and over and over and over and over again with the things that we are offering that we love to do, I think scientifically it is impossible to remove that correlation that when I open yeah. up my mouth to sing from my heart, it is rejected and mm. um, multi-hyphenating delegate, just like you delegate your time, just like you yeah. regulate and degulate, de de regulate degulate, regulate and delegate, <laughs> degulate, just like you regulate and delegate your time with from seven to 10, I do emails and edit my clients. And then 10 a.m. I do this. And then 12 p.m. is my first client. You need to do with auditions and meetings. I don't think I fit this breakdown fully. What is the reason I'm going into this room? Mm. Don't I don't think you need to go into that room if you are like, man, I don't think I should mm. tell the story. Tell like walk into the rooms that you're like, hi, this is completely me. This is what you're looking for. I'm what you're looking for. Let's get to work. And then I think people will find less rejection and more success rates if they treat it like it's a business, just like how they are regulating well, their schedule. And there's nothing wrong with being picky. And maybe this is the 39 going on 40 year old of me where like I care, but I don't care. And I always say, I always say that like my best additions were when I walked in and I didn't care. I cared enough to bring my A game and to perform well and to deliver, but I didn't care what they thought. I was doing it for me. It was yeah. a selfish, it was a selfish experience. I'm going in there. I'm going to love this. I'm going to say, and the, those that addition and love the, and love the process, then it's for me, I tried to be like, it's always a surprise when I get a contract. Like I did the addition, forget about it. Oh, if I get an email, I got an offer. Great. I had already forgotten that I'd even done that, you know? So like, that was sort of the, the, the way that I, you know, coped with it. But I was just talking with a really good friend who she's ready to walk away mm -hmm. because she was a show she really wanted. And she said, you know, I've been fighting for this for 12 years and like, I've had this success and now I just, this might be the last, like the, 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 the camel or the straw that broke the camel's back <laughs> for her. Like she'd reached that point of like, and I, I feel for artists that reached that rock bottom because it, um, it's rough. Um, I, I want to just jump back though, because what you said specifically and why I think I chose or, ch or multi-hyphenating chose me, I have to give you credit. I didn't know this word until I found your podcast. It's all you. I did not know. I never knew of this word. I remember discovering you and your podcast and I went, what is this word? 
So, and I had always been that, but I always say my career is like a, a gourmet meal that I'm cooking for friends. I've got five pots on the stove, right? Mm. Each pot is at 20%, 30%. The rice is almost done. The chicken's in the oven. I'm checking all of these things. And each of those little pots, I'm adding elements and each thing will be ready when it's ready. I feel like with multi-hyphenating, each project and each discipline within that you know, again, that that meal is one thing, i.e. my career, my life is, the, is sort of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But then each of these dishes, these or these ingredients have their own moment. Right. And so you're kind of like timing them all. And that that's like how I think of my life and how I think of yeah, it's a that's a producer's life. And I guess mm -hmm. I am, I guess, multi hyphenates and producer. I mean, there's, there's similarities there. I mean, one could argue that a producer is a multi hyphenate. Yeah. Of the career you know? oh my gosh of but, course and now i'm yeah. hungry so while you're listening <laughs> while 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 you're all listening to messages from uh from sponsors and wonderful people i'm gonna go uh heat up a, a meal <laughs> and we're back oh wow i'm so full now that i we talked about five five pots on the burner but um no, I think you bring up an incredible point about producers being multi-hyphenates. Absolutely, they are. Um, I think, you know, I think it also just like uh, it, it, it is a reflection on what I when I say everyone is a multi-hyphenate. They just don't know the ways in which they are a multi-hyphenate because we mm. all or the, their potential as a being right. a multi-hyphenate because i you know i think multi-hyphenating is very inherently jewish um and there are four questions to ask when you're wondering if you should add a proficiency to your multi-hyphenate identity and that's does it bring me joy do i get paid for it is there a paper trail and does it affect the other hyphens and we all have we all have skills and talents but that doesn't necessarily mean that makes us a multi-hyphenate so what that right. mean what i mean by that is i'm an actor photographer producer writer um actor photographer producer writer podcaster educator um but i also am doing home reno for my own house right now and i'm a dog dad and i'm a, and i'm uh, and I'm this and I'm that, but does that mean I bring those things into, and I say, and I include that in my multi-hyphenate identity. I ask myself those four questions and then I could pick and choose. And I want everyone to do that. Multi-hyphenating is an art form. I don't want to gatekeep the multi-hyphenate. So I use the example, is an actor, roller skater, knitter, a multi-hyphenate? Um, who? Not for us, but maybe for them. Maybe for maybe someone for else. Because then, yeah, they, I mean, then true. you you justify it by asking those questions, mm -hmm. and then because that's not for us to decide how they. I think if as right. long as it falls under the umbrella of theatrical multi hyphenating, because there's corporate multi hyphenating, there's startup multi hyphenating, there's all that stuff. We're talking about theater multi hyphenating, theater, uh, theater, film, and TV. Um. Mm. Uh, multi-hyphenating so i think as long as they could justify it why not but mm. those are the guidelines i think you should use because then yeah what happens is that cuts the fat and then you but then you realize you you go oh that's just a skill that affects everything else right like with photography right like there are so many skills in photography that cannot be made into a hyphen a main proficiency like people skills like 
Photoshop. I mean, Photoshop can be made into a hyphen with graphic design, whatever, but not for me. I know how to edit headshots and that's it. I'm not, it's, I'm not proficient enough to be like, I'm also a graphic designer. And that's just what I want people to start thinking about is like, what are the skills that help the hyphens exist? And what are the skills that can actually become hyphens? Mm -hmm. Well, and as you were saying that I was thinking of like multitasker versus multi-hyphenate, like you can have many tasks that fall under the same hyphen, right? And so I just, this idea that because you do a lot of different things doesn't make you a multi-hyphenate, but that if you self-identify, who am I to come in and tell you who you are or who you aren't, you know? Well, if we um, look at a little book called How to Be a Multi-Hyphenate in the (laughs) Theater Business, um, I think we might find something that... um, talks about uh, multitasking versus multi-hyphenating. Mm-hmm. And, um, okay, I can't find it now, but I will. Um, you know, but, <laughs> Everyone go get his book and then you'll have to go find that Easter egg yourself. Literally, but I talk about, there's even an episode I have with Kimberly Faye Greenberg that is about multi-hyphenating versus multitasking. Multitasking, mm-hmm. um, and it's a quote in my book about uh, from direct, uh, from, um, Uh, a doctor of movement, Norm Johnson, who's one of six doctors of movement in the world. He talks about the act of multitasking, multitasking and how it doesn't actually exist because what you're doing is you're always at the fore. It's the multitasking is active switching because what you're doing is you are at all times placing one thing at the forefront of your mind at all the time while you think you are placing a bunch. So in the book, I give an exercise of like, do three things at once. Make sure it's not like dangerous things, like not like Mm. driving and memorizing lines and operating heavy machinery. I'm saying like, paint your nails while memorizing lines and uh, something else. Like what happens then? What did you do? What, what, what stuck? How successful were you? Um, and then what is the outcome when you just focus actively when you set time to do each thing in a specific way, like Hmm. you can, you can do that in one setting, right? Like indoor boys, indoor boys. Right. And Amitha is that exactly. But when I produced indoor boys, I was producer as well as camera B. So there were things where I delegated my I delegated my producer um, uh, responsibilities to someone else while I was on camera B. Same with Alex and Wes. When they were, sometimes they were, you know, they were directing and writing this thing, but they were also acting in it. And it's just right. an active switching of focus. Like that's what multitasking yeah. is. But you can do that in, in, in the, um, uh, an experience in which you are multi-hyphenating. That makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I guess I, you know, I, I almost think too, is that, um, I think the ability to be successful and I guess the measure of success is, doesn't necessarily have to be monetary, but say we're using, say we're using that as, as a, as a benchmark, right. That I feel like, uh, a quote unquote, this, this could be controversial. I don't know. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I, one could say that a successful multi-hyphenate is somebody who can be successful simultaneously in multiple different disciplines. I love that. rather, rather than somebody who is mainly successful in this, but can do lots of other things. 
feel like where the multi-hyphenate definition is, you are you are a you are top of your field or high in your field, and have the skills to match across multiple disciplines. You can walk into a room and and people think you're only a photographer because you're an amazing photographer and that's all you do day in and day out. And that's what they think. And then you walk into another room and you're producing at a high, high level. And so maybe that's the definition between a successful multi or what a multi hyphenated is that you're successful, you're highly successful in each of these things versus doing lots of different things. So I agree with you to an extent. I love what you're saying about how you don't necessarily need to, uh, it's not about monetary success. Right. And I think, you know, when you say, when I asked, do you get paid for it? There are different ways to get paid other than cash flow. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, there is something that is different between like free work, you know, and donated work. Free work is right. when you are doing something for free and you do not get anything back donated yeah. work or yeah. you know whatever it is you get something out of it there's there's a it's a fulfillment it's a community it's a something that you mm. can use um right but now here's where i go my thoughts are somewhere else here and that is the reason why i came up with the definition of multi-hyphenating being an artist who has multiple proficiencies which cross-pollinate to flourish professional capabilities is because the definition that I found online was a celebrity who does multiple things. And I was like, why does it have to be a celebrity? Right. Why can't a multi-hyphenate be someone that is starting out in this industry, that is learning how to fail, that maybe isn't top of the game in the industry, but just got their first paycheck? for photography uh -huh. and it's like oh my god i i got paid that's exciting i'm a i feel i'm a photographer now like yeah why yeah. can't though why why does a multi-event have to be at the top of their game in the top of the industry and in what they do why can't right. someone start out as a multi-event why can't a right. theatrical student be a multi-event and i think that's where i just go and multi-hyphenating is meant to create and promote accessibility in this industry. So I don't right. want, I don't want just because they have reached like top of the game. Right. That's when oh, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. And, and that's why I, I say, you know, success isn't necessarily monetary. I think, mm -hmm. I think what it is, is sort of that ability to be highly focused in each of those mm -hmm. skills and and rise to the challenge right because mm -hmm. i mean i know many people that can mix some audio and then can shoot some video and right and and do all of those things and and that's great and and if if, if they feel that they're multi-hyphenating great but i think they just have lots of different things that they do versus when they do that one thing they are striving for uh, a, a level of excellence right um, or that or that they have the ability to sort of focus in and and ner really nerd out on that one thing. But again, I don't want to. I'm, I'm not going to come in and judge and say you're not. I mean, someone could look at me and go, "You're not a multi-hyphenate. You just do a lot of things." I'm like, "Great, that's fine." I mean, we all have to self-identify in our own ways, and have, I have absolute respect. But I think that's just for me the differentiation of like that ability to, for the moment, put on those blinders and really focus on like um high level of skill in that in that discipline for a period of time and then the shades come down we switch over and high high focus and that's just kind of how i've led my life and i can only speak from personal experience is that ability to like hyper focus 
switch, hyper-focus switch. I should hope, exactly. I should hope that no one is saying you're not a multi-hyphenate because then, they, then they're not acting like a multi-hyphenate should. Multi-hyphenates yeah. are... It's 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 not about judgment. It's about finding right, the exactly. people. You know what I mean? It's about finding the people that and community. Of you course, know, so much community amongst multi-hyphenating because you're mm-hmm. you're interacting and cross-pollinating with so many different social circles, right? And multi-hyphenating is lucrative because you are literally creating experiences to pay people. You're creating jobs. Right. It is actually right. like great for the economy it is because you are creating jobs you are a job creator and that is like a really great responsibility to have as an artist to you know yeah i think people honestly there's so many people that want to act as multi-hyphenates and they don't even know where to start and um Mm. there's so many you know it's it's really starting is understanding why you're doing what you're doing but yeah the next part is finding the people that can help you do it is, is finding that community that is like, Oh, I'll produce this with you. I know how to get, you know, I, what's your budget. I know how to get some money for it. Or I have some ideas like that's what multi-hyphenating is, is Mm -hmm. creativity through community. hundred percent. Yeah, no, I, I, um, you know, I, I think, I think community is such a huge part of it too. And, and, community support also leads to kind of career support and economic support in a way mm-hmm. because a multi-hyphenate is like a diverse stock portfolio when <laughs> one like when one of those skills might not when one part of the business as it were is not getting as many clients or whatever the other thing is excelling and so there's this you're you're a lot more resilient i think to what is a vastly more fluid and changing landscape post covid especially yeah. I don't have a, I don't have a business background, you know, Mm. and it's really interesting writing a theater business book because I don't have a business background. I have a background in the business, but I don't have a business background. And so when I like talk about certain things, people will be like, oh, it's a that or in the business world, that's what we call it. And I'm like, that's cool because I think what's fun about writing this book and talking about multi-hyphenating is that it comes from a really genuine place of, Hey, I don't have a business background at all, but here's how an artist can communicate these terms and these words. And this is how maybe this business concept works, but in the theater industry. So I'm actually really glad that I don't have a business background because I think I would have gotten really heady in writing this it would have felt a little less you a little less genuine and a little more like harder to relate to as as a harder to relate to i mean as somebody yeah well that's like like you want to you want a book to relate to as many people as possible Mm -hmm. i feel like unless it's like meant to be a technical right uh, technical thing right and this is you know the book is supposed to be technical it's written in the third person which is really cool but it Mm. does it does have a lot of philosophy because there is philosophy involved in multi-evidating as there's philosophy involved in artistry but you have some projects coming out which is really exciting so i want to talk specifically about your spatial audio project oh my gosh this is this is so cool dolby Sorry, go ahead. No, you say it. You say it. You introduce it. Uh, Dolby Atmos. So Apple, 
um, Apple is partnering with Dolby Atmos, which is a whole new technology. And basically, in a nutshell, it's like virtual reality for your ears. That's kind of my elevator pitch to people that don't understand it. It's cool. You, you put on headphones, you move your head around, and the audio is in a three-dimensional space. Oh, my God. That's so AirPods, wild. Right? AirPods can do head tracking. So these AirPods, the new ones, can track whether you're looking up, down, left, or right. Mm -hmm. And so the sound world, which literally has nodes... So when you're in a mixing scenario, you place nodes, which are your audio moments in different places. So it's a box, you see a head, and then you look up and they'll come from this speaker or this speaker or above you or behind you. And so albums now, and Beyonce's recent album, I think there was a version in Spatial Audio and all these other albums are coming out in this new format. So it's not just left, center, right, like typical stereo. It's like this sound world, right? Um, so there isn't a lot in the classical side yet. And so we're kind of at the forefront and we are working on what it is to be the first wow. spatial audio opera that takes place in a prison cell. It's two women who are journalists that have been arrested um, yeah. and are dealing with kind of the, the persecution of journalism. And there's a whole kind of conversation around that. So it's two actors and two opera singers and a solo cello. Mm -hmm. And then we have a sound engineer, sound designer and Foley. So you're going to be placed into this prison cell world and wow. you're, going to, you're going to experience this uh, as if you're in the room with them. Um, so it's really cool. We, we record in April and uh, we're working with this, you know, 16 time Grammy winning mixer in Boston, who's kind of such a leader in, in the classical world. And he's, he's on board, which is super exciting. And um, that's why I'm really excited just because it's like so future tech. It's, it's yeah. sort of this really brand new kind of thing. Um, so there's that. And then um, we've got some really interesting projects coming out. Uh, um, uh, an uh, Opera Arias album that we recorded in Nashville with a 50-piece orchestra. That was my biggest producing job yet, which was so cool to be at the helm of this like 50-piece orchestra and like the score. I mean, I just was like, I was living my best life. <laughs> so you, when we were just talking about before the podcast started about like, hey, is there anything you want to talk about? Make sure you know this is yeah. your space. You had mentioned that like Dolby Atmos is going to be like you're standing on stage with mm -hmm. what is happening. I have a question because when you're standing yeah. on when you're standing on stage, yeah, as an actor, what you yeah. hear is so different than mm. what the audience hears as you know this. So like will the audience will, so when you're listening to this on your headphones, will you be hearing what the audience is supposed it, it's as if we are not in a theater space and it's as if it's happening around you or right. is still theatricality involved and it's like a combination like what is the angle of that that's a great question we actually have a director who does podcast directing and stage directing who's on the team and we're really approaching not only the writing of it and the recording of it. And Paola Prestini is um, a really well-known classical composer. She started National Sawdust in Brooklyn, which is an amazing space. And they have um, a Merlin speaker system, I think it's called, that has 53 speakers in that space. Wow. So they can play spatial audio projects. Wow. We brought, we brought on a podcast director because, because, yeah, it's like you're on stage. And what I mean by that is you can literally be standing there and in your left ear is actor one and in your right ear is actor two. Two, and then you hear a door slam and you turn your head and the door slam is right there. And so it, 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 you know, maybe not like it's on a stage, but you're in the world, I guess. You're in the audio world. It's not as if there's a separation between I'm in the audience and you're on stage. It's, 
it's again this three-dimensional sound world and and we're still also talking about like how much of the audio i'm nerding out now how much of the audio is locked and how much of it moves because i can move around in this locked three-dimensional space but mm -hmm. what if the actor starts running around me we don't want to have like the actor moving too much and then i'm moving and then there's all these elements so you have to think about you know how like what's the proscenium to a point like how much are we going to look around the space there's just a lot of cool, um, very nerdy and fun things to think about in terms of just this like very new. I don't know. Am I? I'm on a tangent, but it's, no, I it's, love it's really it. Cool. I love really it. Cool. I love it. I think that's awesome. Um, you know, it, my favorite cast albums in the Broadway world are the albums where you feel like you're there, like mm. the older albums, like um, like which ones, like Hair. Like, uh, like hair, Pippin, more of the yeah. musical, the sweat company, like the sweatier, smokier musicals where they're yeah. in the studio and probably smoking up a storm. And I love those. And, and most re I mean, I feel like, um, the 2001 you're in town cast album is great. The way that it's recorded is there's like a, um, like an echoey tinniness that is in mm. the recording that makes it feel like they stood up somewhere and there was one microphone and they were like, right. sing it, sing into this. It's actually really kind of cool. It sounds different than any other cast album that's out there. And those are my favorites. The one with, um, personality and the ones where you feel like you're there but um, um what about saw, the original company album do you like that yeah that's what I, I was saying before it's like i love that company album i, I think maybe i am uh swayed because of the documentary and there's that visual to go well, around i know the producer thomas z shepherd legendary broadway producer and mixer who did that album and wow. did like he won 12 grammys and i got the chance to work with him so um, a few year, few years ago on a project that we released with Broadway Records called Anna Christie. And he's well into his, you know, later years now, but still his, his ears are sharp. And I remember in the studio working with him and I was singing in it as well as helping to, to kind of produce the project. Again, I was multi-hybriding back then too. And he, he, was, he was saying, you know, I want to be able to close my ear, uh, close my eyes and picture, picture the drama in the moment. I need to hear... I need to hear the cigarette and hear the, feel the sweat and, and hear that in the album. And mm -hmm. the clinicalness of a lot of albums now, it's mm -hmm. almost too clean. Too it's clean. Too pitch corrected. Exactly. It's too perfect. Exactly. Give me dirty. <laughs> give, give me sweat. Me, <laughs> give me dirty. Give me sweat. I completely agree with you. And uh, other cast albums that I love to listen to that are like that are... Scarlett Pimpernel and Jacqueline Hyde. I feel like those mm. are, they have more personality. There's more, you could yeah. hear the, you could hear the world in which they are in as opposed to the notes in which they're singing, which yeah. is, which is so much more important. But as you're working on this, like how do, how do your multi-hyphenate skills and proficiencies come out when you're working on this project? Like what's the way that you delegate and and uh, and the way that you you know actively switch in this specific project. I mean, that's a big that's a big question. I mean, you know, I again, it's sort of the task of the a little bit the task of the moment. Like if I if I if you know I have to spend time booking the musicians or or dealing with scheduling of that, and then I have to switch over to like score prep um, and all of that. I mean, I think it's just 
it's kind of chipping away at it, mm -hmm. uh, kind of department by department, task by task within within departments. I definitely try to accomplish tasks in a set uh, zone, as it were, before jumping. Like I'm not gonna jump from like a bunch of mixing tasks or score prep tasks to a bunch of scheduling tasks. I want to kind of do everything in the scheduling lane, right? In the email lane, and then do everything in the score lane, or else it's too overwhelming. I think that's kind of how I I handle it. And then when I'm in the studio, it's like very much like I'm putting on musicians ears and like coordination and I'm the, the go between between the engineer who's very technical mm -hmm. and the artist who who need the, the whole hand holding and, and the those kinds of um, performance related uh, needs. That's beautiful. That's beautiful what you said. I mean, I think that is how multi heaviness should exist in the world, right? Like we do that in our main, in our main existence, right? Like, right. you know, for, for, for me, it's like 7am, I wake up, make some tea, answer my emails, edit some clients, ex like, listen to New York, wake up, get the beautiful sunrise. Yeah. It's wonderful. It gets me excited. I work like that for like five hours, it gives me five hours. And then my client comes at 12 and then I, I, you know, close the blinds, as you said, or I actively switch, I change those hats and I'm the, and I'm the photographer in the moment for that moment. And then I have a break and then I do where I'm me fully me. And then I'm in the studio again. And then yeah. once that's done, I, cl I close the blinds in the studio and then Maybe I memorize a song. Maybe I do a self tape. Maybe I um, write, uh, you know, an article, or I, I I do whatever. But it's the delegation. It's the from this time to this time. I'm a this to this time. And then when we are hired for those projects, when we create those projects, we take that delegation that we've trained ourselves to do, and we bring it into the environment into in which we are working. So it's like there's yeah. like a there's like an, a main umbrella and then like a smaller umbrella under that when we're like in our project. So that's, yeah. I think that's exactly how we should exist as multi-hyphenates when we're, when we're working and mm -hmm. it helps you stay sane <laughs> and organized. Yeah. yeah. I wish, you know, I'm trying to be more of a morning person. I really am. Like I should, I, I should do the thing, get up at 4 a.m., and go to bed at nine and do the whole thing. And and I've had I've had spurts of it because I do find that New York is different in the morning. And I much prefer New York at like seven to ten, honestly, than like any time after that. Um, like those sacred hours, like if I'm awake and I get like nine nine to twelve are kind of sacred hours. Mm -hmm. I feel like you get so much productivity done. And then once noon hits, it's like this a lot of distractions. New York you know. is New York is a morning town. I think people yeah. think I think people think like New York's a night town. You go out, you get your martinis and you see shows and it's like yeah, it definitely is, but you can't negate the magic that is New York City in the morning when there's so much possibility and there's so much, you know, there it's a new day what can happen today and I think people negate that. So, if there's anything to take away from this podcast episode, it's try to experience more mornings. <laughs> I'm with you. Jonathan Esterbrooks, you are amazing. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. It was great to chat. Where can we find you on social media? 
I'm on the Instagram. I'm on the Facebook, just at John Estabrooks, J-O-N-E-S-T-A-B-R-O-O-K-S. And you can find out more about Amitha at Amitha Studios on all the platforms. And um, yeah, I'd love to work with anybody. We're here to help collaborate. We love chatting. We're always here to give ideas and thoughts, even if we're not the right match. Like we just, I just love connecting. And so genuinely reach out, always happy to connect with others um, in this crazy, beautiful, creative world that we play in. You better work. And thank you for listening. Please rate, comment, subscribe to all the good stuff. Apple Podcasts, head over there and, you know, subscribe and drop a line. Give five stars. Thank you to Broadway Podcast Network. And if you are a reader and would like to have a new theater business book to read, please pick up your copy of How to Be a Multi-Hyphenate in the Theater Business, Conversations, Advice, and Tips from Dear Multi-Hyphenate, written by me, Mike Kushner, and published by Rutledge Publishing. It's available uh, on Amazon through Rutledge or in the Drama Bookshop with more locations to be announced soon. And that's all I got. Bye! Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.